Hey all, Montel here. How you doing? I hope you're doing great, having a great day. Welcome to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Today, we're going to be discussing a study on the impact of cannabinoid therapy for treating autism utilizing Canaphomatics saliva-based cannabis responsive biomarkers for before and after results. And joining us in this discussion will be the CEO and founder of Canaphomatics, as well as the stepfather of one of the children in the study. And later on in the show, we're going to be talking with you know, the one and only Dr. Bonnie Goldstein, an acclaimed pediatrician and medical cannabis expert. Doctors Itzhak Kirk and Jeff Rabner, thank you so much for being a part of Let's Be Blunt with Montel today, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank for you. For sure. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Yeah. Itzhak, why don't you do me a favor? Let's, let's back up for a second. You've been on the show before, but let's go back and share some people, share with our viewers and listeners your background and why you started Canaphomatics. So I'm a plant uh, biochemist, and uh, for the last 25 years, I was in the biotech industry working mainly on secondary metabolites, which are uh, molecules that found in plants, bacteria, uh, algae, and with the beneficial value for human health. So 2017, uh, and I worked also on terpenes and flavonoids during that time. So 2017, when I... Uh, started the company or transition, uh, medical cannabis was an obvious uh, was an obvious continuation. Uh, these are small molecule secondary metabolites that are beneficial for human health. So that's when we started Canformatics. The idea was to develop treatment, but quite fast we found out that there are no uh, methods right now to evaluate objectively how well. Uh, medical cannabis work because in general when we say for example a metab secondary metabolites are antioxidant we can actually evaluate how well antioxidant work right now with cannabis it's all subjective it's the patient or the doctor based on observation is seeing and uh, deciding if it works or uh, not. So our goal was to develop a tool that allow a objective, a direct measurement of the impact of medical cannabis. Okay, all right. Now, Jeff, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and what's your connection to autism? Sure, I'm a bachelor's in biochemistry, PhD in synthetic organic chemistry, and actually work in the cannabis space since 2010. Um, dealing mostly with terpenes and product formulations, uh, knowing how they manufacture the products and try to create consistent standardized ones. Um, so I've been around, you know, cannabis and the cannabis space for a while, looking at all the molecules, trying to understand what might be good for whom in which ways and how we can consistently deliver that to folks. And I, you know, met my wife uh, about six years ago, and she has a son who at the age was, was nine at that time, and he's been diagnosed with autism. Um, he's high functioning, very intelligent, um, communicative, and really, you know, an, an interesting individual to interact with. And it was my first, first hands-on experience with it. I have met a couple of patients and parents along the way uh, since 2010, obviously, who had said they were working with cannabis and, and cannabinoid therapies for their children with autism, but I never lived it or experienced it day in, day out to see what that might be like. 
Um, so it was, it's definitely an interesting perspective once you're finally in it, as opposed to maybe dealing with it on the periphery or helping folks just know that their things were what they thought they were and were clean and pure of, of product impurities. Well, you know, very interesting that you met someone who had a child with autism. Were you interested in the cannabis autism connection before that? I had seen some folks in that regard. I thought there was great applicability in that um, respect. I thought, you know, I've seen parents saying this was the game changer for them where their child was, you know, not willing to be affectionate, not, you know, willing to be interactive at all. They were just really overwhelmed is what it seemed like, like sensory overwhelmed and cannabis was really helping them. And there were folks that were trying to make their own medicine, you know, kind of using their own kitchen and their um, tools inside of their oven to say, how might I decarboxylate this? How might I form a low level of THC on the flower? Um, so I could see that there was applicability and, you know, we were trying to help as best we could, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't doing, I'd say much in the, in that area specifically, we're just trying to get cannabis going at that point in time. And, and so then you meet your wife, she's got a child with, you have a steps child who's got autism and what was, what was it? First off, what were some of his behavioral challenges that you saw as a result of his autism? Yeah, um, pretty hyper responsive, right? So if something doesn't go the way that they hope it would or the way that they're planning for it to go, you get a pretty outlandish um, pushback, right? They start to yell and scream, sometimes throwing a tantrum on the floor. Um, you know, it wasn't really familiar to me in my world, what the word like trigger, what, you know, things might be for a, a tantrum. Um, I didn't have any children at that time, so I wasn't maybe aware of how they might act in some respects, but this seemed to be much more, um, extreme and much more, you know, outlandish than his younger sister. Um, so, you know, I had a good direct comparable in the household, but you were, it kind of feels a little bit like you're walking on eggshells and, you know, you're just wondering what's the next thing that's going to set them off in some direction. And then it's going to be an hour till, you know, or plus till everyone starts to calm down and feel a little bit more back to baseline. You mentioned a sister. Does she have, um, she is not diagnosed with that. No. No. Okay. All right. And so now I I just, I know that this, even with your doctoral experience, those are tough conversations to have between a husband and a wife, and especially a husband and a wife when there are stepchildren involved. What was your wife's reaction to you saying, I think that, you know, he might be helped with uh, cannabis? She's very open-minded. You know, she likes to be informed herself. Um, She really understood a lot about the world. Um, Definitely, you know, she worked at Teach for America. She's an educator, so she likes to educate and inform herself and then try and help others understand. So she was open-minded and thought, you know, I'm not, she was very anti-pharma, didn't want to go do that kind of thing. That was recommended at one point in time. And I think the experience was like, but I don't have my child that way, right? I might be able to calm down all of these reactions and this interaction, but that's not really them, right? But the farmer approach, approach for autism is really literally taking darts and throwing it up at the wall and seeing what you hit. Right. Is there one that will work? I mean, are they, you know, literally drooling on the couch or completely sedated? You know, I don't right. have my interaction, my, my responsive child anymore. So, you know, the approach had been a lot of just therapy, ABA type of therapy, and how do we, you know, try and educate and, and help them understand how to interact with the world. And I said, hey, I've seen, you know, a lot of these things in my world in the cannabis space that there are people that talk about that. And it was a it was a complicated discussion. You know, first, are you willing to do it? Then second, you know, what types of 
approach and what types of molecules might be the right ones because I'm really averse to the idea of any psychoactivity, right? I don't, you know, there was not a lot of comfort of, I don't want my kid, you know, feeling like they're inebriated or intoxicated. They certainly wouldn't want that, um, you know, we want to try something that could be effective, but ideally very gentle that you're not, you know, causing side effects or overwhelming them in some other sense that might make them feel, you know, like, great, I, I'm not where I was, but I'm not in a better place either, even though perhaps the parents think it was better. Um, very cautious about what is the child feeling? What does he think about this? And, you know, being intelligent, we, we felt we could talk to him if we embarked on it. And ours was a three-way conversation because we wanted to make sure his father was on board with that one too. Um, and that, you know, adds another little element of complexity. But I think there was at least an open mind. And I'm lucky enough to be exceptionally informed about what cannabis can produce, what molecules might be available, what we might be able to do in terms of creating a medication. And, you know, talking, of course, with Dr. Bonnie Goldstein, we could figure it out. So I said, you know, let's get them to a doctor. Let's see if they think the same thing. And then we could, you know, consider going down the path. It's not an absolute requirement, but it may be a viable option. And I, I want to make sure that for our listeners out there, because, you know, the whole idea of children and cannabis and autism and people on the spectrum, and I've dealt with people who are children who have been, who have uh, parents of children who have utilized cannabis, high THC cannabis. I've dealt with adults who have, are on the spectrum who have said to me that, you know, I'm going to tell you something. I've tried all the CBD shit out there that's out there and none of it works. The second I tried THC, all of a sudden my whole world came into focus. So I want to make sure that, you know, again, one stop shopping in this cannabis journey is not for all. That is well put. It's very individualized. It's very like tailored for each individual. And there are many, you know, options with cannabis. You've got to try to work to find the right one for you. Right. And that which brings me to you, Itzak, because that's what cannaformatics is really all about, right? Is trying to identify some autism biomarkers and look at those post or pre and post cannabis use to see if the cannabis is affecting those biomarkers, which might be affecting behavior, right? Uh, well, I couldn't say it better. Yes. Uh, what we are uh, developing, or uh, it's actually in saliva biomarkers or indicators, small molecules that uh, comes from uh, the the, the individual and monitor them how they change. So the idea is almost like cholesterol. When a, when some patient have high cholesterol, the doctor uh, prescribe Lipitor and then monitor the cholesterol. Cholesterol itself is just an indicator for cardiovascular uh, disease. So that's the analogy. And that's what we're trying to do. Uh, and uh, within the study and the technology that we develop, we actually answering few of the questions that uh, Jeff uh, just mentioned, because uh, our technology allows us to provide uh, three different services. We call it a screen, recommend, and optimize. So our technology called cannabis-responsive biomarkers. So that means that uh, how a patient or individual will respond to cannabis. So when we take, a, for example, a child with autism, we can just Look, before even treating with cannabis, are those uh, cannabis-responsive biomarkers are not in the physiological range, which means that that uh, individual will benefit from cannabis. So that's question one that we quite within 24 hours answer uh, uh, 
any parents or any individual that it would cannabis work for you. Let me let me let me just stop because I want to make sure again we've got people tuning in and they're going oh wait a minute this is really interesting so you mean to tell me you can figure out uh, my child's biomarkers and see whether or not there's particular cannabis that may work for them but you're basing that on another person's investigated biomarkers so again since everybody is different when it comes to cannabis everyone's endocannabinoid system is different when it comes to cannabis. How can we literally find a baseline that we know, you know, can be extrapolated out to the masses? So, yes. So what we have, you can imagine that we have uh, at that that point about 280 molecules and metabolites or indicators. And we have their value in case of children with autism. We have their value or the range, what we call physiological range that we determine based on neurotypical children. Now, out of those biomarkers, these are in general the biomarkers that are uh, affected by the endocannabinoid system and therefore will be treated or modified uh, based on cannabinoid. Now, when we see that those some of these biomarkers are outside that range, that means that that patient would benefit from a, a medical cannabis. So that immediately tells us are these molecules in the range? Uh, if, if not, that means that medical cannabis can help that uh, uh, individual. And when you say medical cannabis, again, I want to come back to you because I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying, I, got, I got four people talking in his head at the same time. I got the, the viewer, the listener, and those people who are kind of curious out there. I'm trying to ask questions for them at the same time I'm asking these of you. And I, some of the answers, this may seem rhetorical, but I just want to throw them out there. Again, when you say medical cannabis, medical cannabis is everything from 0.04% THC to 29% THC. It's everything from 0.1% CBD all the way up to 15% CBD, CBG, CBN, CBD. I mean, the, the amount of cannabinoids, we have not even scratched the surface, I believe, yet for the true potential of this plant. So therefore, when you say that we know that medical cannabis will work and help them in this range, is that a standardized cannabis that you have looked into and figured out, okay, we need something that is, let's say, I don't know, 18% THC, 6% CBD, you know, 2% CBC. I, I'm just trying to get my head around this. Explain that to me. I, I, it's interesting. I think you just described the strength and weakness of uh, cannabis. And right. and uh, I think, yes. So the first stage, what I said, it's screen. The second part uh, or service that we provide, and all the services in almost like LabQuest or the way we believe should be uh, as a lab services, just with saliva. Uh, the second service is recommendation. And in that space, we generate, uh, we learn which biomarkers specifically affected by THC or by CBD or by CBG or by other minor cannabinoid and how much we need in order to shift that specific uh, biomarker to the physiological range. The specific one for that individual, correct? Is that what you're saying? Correct. It's, okay. it's, in, it's individual, but it's based, it's based on the knowledge that we have from uh, other uh, people. So it is individual, yes. So let's say, okay... Um, 
Well, what kind of technologies is Caninformatics developing to make this more accessible to many people, to everybody? Could you repeat? I'm saying, what what kind of uh, new technologies are is Caninformatics developing so that you can refine this? It just, just seems to me like a, a test tube experiment that. You know, if you have a million patients, you're going to have a million different outcomes. Or am I wrong? So, so uh, we are, eventually, we will focus on a number of biomarkers for each medical condition, that these are the one that uh, make the, 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 the change or the impact. And these are the ones that are affected by cannabinoid. Uh, for the people that we, for the individual that we understand, I mean, most cannabis work mainly with the, uh, not only autism, with the complex medical condition. And in complex medical condition, it's more, it's almost always individualized. There's no magic bullets. I mean, the whole medicine right now, precision medicine, moved toward the understanding that each one of us is different. And each one of us needed different treatment based on the physiology, genetics, and lifestyle. That's very much what we're doing. The difference is, in case of cannabis, is that uh, our scale is universal. Because when I find a biomarker and I said it has value of five, my five, your five, and Jeff five, it's the same number. So it's not subjective. And based on that, we can extrapolate and learn from each other. And every time that we uh, work with the individual, it adds to our data. We just recently submit a paper, and it's interesting because we just submitted it still uh, in the process, but uh, that paper we showed actually how we can identify biomarker that specifically work uh, with THC, specifically work with CBG and with CBG. And what it means is that now, based on the biomarker profile of each patient, we can personalize this, the, the, the treatment uh, for that individual and also help him during change with children, for example, with children with autism, uh, age is, a, is an important factor. Behavior can change over time. So we can actually look at saliva and adjust that, uh, that treatment. Really interesting. So, Jeff, how has this information translated into from, you know, the theoretical translated into the observational and what you've been able to accomplish for your son? Yeah, we were maybe a little bit ahead of the curve <laughs> right before these tools were first available and developed and, and helped participate in the pilot study of them. So we didn't have that type of guidance like, hey, this might be the first place to start. We relied on the community's knowledge base and what others had seen, especially Dr. Bonnie Goldstein. So, you know, I think we took that with a little bit of my perspective saying, hey, here's our criteria. We would prefer no THC to start. We're going to try and see if anything else might be acceptable. What might you recommend? Um, and she recommended CBD acid, cannabinoid acids might be, a, that one specifically might be a good one to go after. 
Um, so we said, okay, if that's where we're going to start, we'll start trying. And we had to do titration, figure out what was the right dose. Um, for those listeners out here, cannabis is multimodal. It is very different depending upon how much you may take. So at small amounts, it might have different activity than at larger amounts. And it was quite interesting to watch as we kind of worked on finding the right dose for him. You know, there were small doses that seemed to make it worse. So, you know, we kind of pushed through that, went up a little bit more and found a, a really good sweet spot for him but it is a dynamic system and only using right? single cannabinoid you're only using cbd so we yeah. used initially we used a whole plant extract so we had some hemp we did a, a full extract of that um you know to put it into a tincture and I, I have amazing analytical abilities in our lab, so we could profile the plant. We could see which cannabinoids and terpenes were there. And we eventually said, I don't think I can get this plant again. Like the farmer is no longer here, but this is working. How do we build this complex formulation from individual molecules? And that's um, what we specialize in. So we put together a complex terpene formulation and used individual cannabinoid ingredients to build a standardized tincture that he could keep taking. So I can make that batch and batch and batch again. I, it's now his personalized individualized medicine, and we have the ability to make it infinitely at any amount. So when the batch ran out, you know, we didn't have the flower material around. We made it from individual components, and it worked exactly the same. But now so that, we were but that, that formula, the that. formulation that you made has THCA in it? CBD. No, it does not. It has only CBD acid. Um, and that sometimes has trace CBD. The benefit of that is if it does decarboxylate for whatever reason, you don't get THC. You'll have CBD as a tiny bit in there. Um, but there, it's a pure ingredient and there's no THC whatsoever. Um, but the combination of cannabinoids and terpenes does seem to be important for full efficacy. Are there other? Okay, so it's, it's a CBDA extract. I have some of that in my refrigerator right now. But does it also include terpenes in there or just you're just Correct. it does? It does. It does. Which particular yep. terpenes yep. are you using? So we used, I think there's over 30 different terpenes in there. So all the standard ones that you see, um, our lab has the ability to look for over hundreds of them. And we were able to say, look, commercially, we can acquire these. Let's put this complex formula together, just like it was shown up on the plant. So I have the plant sample that we extracted. You can look at the plant, analyze it, and recreate the medications from that. From a COA. Gotcha. And, yep. you know, and, and let me ask you, it's like, I mean, why did Canaphromatics, oh, the name is Canaphromatics, but why did you pick autism as your first modality rather than, I don't know, MS, fibromyalgia, cancer, varied other things? Why did you do that? So we started the Canaphromatics and uh, actually Bonnie, Dr. Bonnie Goldstein, she was the one that uh, contacted me. And her her vision or idea was that uh, children with autism, uh, it's really the most important uh, uh, service for them or study for them because it's hard with sometimes they're non, uh, it's a nonverbal uh, children, uh, their behavior often change. And as she said, even if I see THC or CBD in the blood, that doesn't mean that it's affecting them. And that was her uh, her idea. And since she had experience with uh, families and children with autism, uh, 
many years, it was easy for us because we were interested in children that A, diagnosed with autism, B, under a long uh, period of time being treated with autism, that doc- treated with cannabis, sorry, and that Dr. Bonnie Goldstein actually following them. So that were like criteria that uh, she could help us uh, find those family. And also important, uh, not every kid can uh, provide saliva. So we wanted uh, at that point children that have to remember we're taking saliva sometimes, we're taking saliva before medical cannabis treatment as well. So we needed uh, children that will cooperate and uh, without actually them feeling uh, uncomfortable. So that was a, in a reason. Also, we can see autism in a way, it has some motives. Now we know from anxiety, some pain. So it has, a, it shares similarity with, a, with part of other medical condition treated with cannabis. So in a way for the whole system, it was a great model for us to start with. And what was your sample size when you started? I mean, how, how many children did you put through your group? And, and what were some of the findings that you got out of the study? So we, we started with, I think, uh, 20, 22 children. Uh, eventually, uh, we were able to collect the full set that we wanted from uh, 15 children. Uh, we published so far two papers. So what I'm saying is academically uh, uh, validated and scientifically, and we submitted the third paper now. The interesting thing, and I think uh, Jeff uh, uh, also can uh, say from his point of view, we found biomarkers that uh, change obviously in response to cannabis and they're all shifting towards the physiological range. Uh, That means that cannabis help uh, molecules sometimes in a child, we look at 280, about 280 molecules, and half of them before cannabis were in the outside the physiological range. Hour and a half later, this is pretty impressive. After hour and a half later, all those biomarkers uh, move to uh, the physiological range. So we can't argue w- w- with that figure. It's, it's clearly shown there's no placebo effect, there's no imagination, there's nothing. These are real data, this was real result. So that was the, the most important thing. The other things that we found, it's where cannabis impact on what metabolic pathways. And what's interesting is that some of those biomarkers, I, I think that's the most important, that the most significant biomarker that we found that changed in response to medical cannabis it's a known biomarker for autism. Since 1997, this biomarker was associated with autism. The way they did it, they look at children with autism and, uh, and uh, typically developing children and found variation in that molecule. So it was really linked with uh, autism, but they never showed the connection between autism, just statistical link. What we showed that in all the children, all the 15 children, some of them has lower level of that biomarker. Some of them have higher level of that biomarker, no matter what, regardless. The, and I have to give Bonnie the credit because re, regardless the, the, the treatment that, I mean, with, with the treatment that she gave, this molecule in all the children moved to the physiological range. So it's a known biomarker for autism. And we just showed out how medical cannabis 
brings it or shift it to the physiological range with all the children. And that, that's the way we, when we design a, a medicine, that's what we want. We don't want a single case. We want a treatment that helps a group of people. And, and, and with that, we actually showed, we found other molecules that involve in uh, neuroinflammation, in uh, pain reducing, uh, bioenergy. So we found a, a lot of, and obviously um, indicator for uh, changes in the endocannabinoid system. So for me, that was, it, 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 it's almost like a, you change that you see within an hour and a half, you see a profile, how it changed with all the children. Uh, you can't argue that that's some kind of a, a not, not scientifically validate. Gotcha. And I think the reviewer, the reviewer agree with them with that. And most of the reviewer were not a cannabis people. So it's a, so yeah. So, so this is empirical data now, not just, you know, and I, I guess, um, you know, uh, uh, data that people just collected, you know, by watching and looking, and this is actual empirical data. Jeff, how is your stepson doing now? He's doing really well. I mean, I think it's really helped him understand his different physiological states. You know, you can kind of say like, we can see it change. You could feel it change. Um, and I think he's understood it's a, been a catalyst for change for him to understand how he might be able to manage himself. Um, you know, when the medications are, uh, he's 15 now. Yeah, okay. So yeah, teenager, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, lots of fun at that point. And there's a lot of, you know, other physiological changes, weight changes, you know, adjustment. It is a dynamic system. You kind of have to stay on top of what might be the best things, exercise, diet, everything that you can think of is going to have an impact on our system, including this, how might you be able to use each of those tools to manage yourself the best? Um, but it's been definitely a very positive force, really helps understand, hey, this is more of what might be expected of me in a better mean uh, and what I might be able to do myself to stay there or get there and kind of operate within that realm and try and control my physiology in, in different ways. And as he's, you know, taking different science classes in high school, I think, you know, you can have a more evolved conversation, especially with him because he's so intelligent. And that's been helpful to just kind of open up the dialogue and talk about about how are you feeling more and why you might be feeling that way and what other tools or pieces might be available now that your mind's a little bit more open to saying, you know, what can I get from plants or even my food might be a, a more of an option. Whereas before it really wasn't part of the conversation with them. And you know, how do you see cannabis responsive biomarkers helping you or families like yours in the future? We get the tremendous biomarker change I mean over time. I mean, I don't know if you have enough data to say if they do or not yet, but I would suspect they do, right? Physiologically, we change over time. We have, you know, inflammation at different points of life than we did. We have different, um, all sorts of in, insults to our system that might cause those changes. So the the tool being there and having the ability to watch. And if all of a sudden you're like, why is this medication not working the same as it was? I can go back and check with that tool to say, are his biomarkers or are their biomarkers where they were before we started? And are they still going to the place that we thought they were when I gave them this medication? Is the dosing wrong? Do I need to tweak the medication in a different way? I mean, it's a super valuable molecular tool, in my opinion, where you can start to see rather than saying, I got to try something, maybe I have to try something 
do I have to, do I not have to, and what might I need to try? This knowledge base is going to build upon itself and only get more and more intelligent over time and become a sharper tool for everyone. And the more people buy in and use it, the, the faster and better it will grow, in my opinion. Well, Zach, now how will Canformatics initially help healthcare providers and other people, other families? So, so first I want to comment that uh, uh, we, we have to remember that uh, sometimes uh, things build up, like neuroinflammation, it's uh, something that can build up. Uh, and that's why those tools, our tool, uh, the, the, some of those biomarkers can help us to see even uh, right before we see the clinic, the, the symptom, that it's going that direction. So you can start maybe with different uh, treatment or with lower dosing that to help a, a, that a, a individual. So that that's number one that uh, we we, we want to see. At the same time, uh, we want to recommend and we want to optimize. And in our vision, that's how we optimize a, a treatment. Over time, with changes, we can use the biomarker tool to a optimize a a. a the treatment with the children with autism and grow it up to the whole autism population. And obviously from that, we are looking to grow up to other medical condition. The same technology, it's probably uh, some other biomarkers or in combination with the node biomarker, we want to grow it and start taking a, a other medical condition being treated with cannabis uh, and, and develop the same uh, services, the services are mainly lab services that you sell, send saliva. Uh, one thing about medical cannabis versus cannabis, I believe that uh, for me will define medical cannabis, and it could be wide. Whatever will help to change those biomarkers, that's the way I see medical cannabis. So for me, that's the definition. Anything that help, and we can quantify that help and see it in our tools, that's the way can I see medical cannabis uh, defined. Okay, gotcha. Well, Jeff, look, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a really interesting conversation. I'd love to keep in touch with you and find out what's going on down the road. So maybe we'll reach back out in a couple months to see how you're doing. And you can give us some more information and feedback about, you know, how this has been working for you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me as well. Absolutely, sir. Thank you so much. And what we're going to do now is I want to have Dr. Bonnie Goldstein, who's going to join Dr. Kirk, and I to further discuss Canaphromatic's autism study. So thank you again, Jeff, for being a part. And my next guest is a pediatrician and the author of Cannabis is Medicine and Cannabis Revealed. Dr. Bonnie Goldstein, great to have you on the show again. Thanks so much for being a part of us today. Thanks for having me, Montel. Absolutely. Bonnie, for those who don't know a lot about you, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and why you are working with Canaphromatic's? So my background is uh, trained as a pediatrician, uh, worked in the field of pediatric emergency medicine for about 13 years. I got really burned out and took a little time off, um, especially I had a young son at home. And during that time, I uh, had a friend who was sick and asked me about cannabis. Um, you know, my, my training and practice was here in California, where we've had medical cannabis available since 1996. And I'm ashamed to say I didn't know anything at that time. This was in 2008 uh, when my friend asked me about it. And then I witnessed uh, her using cannabis and how much it helped her with her cancer um, side effects um, and with cancer itself. And I just was intrigued. And so I started working in the field and 
after a number of months taking care of patients and approving them for medical cannabis, I was in all the way. I saw great results. It was a very rewarding practice. And so now I'm about 15 years in. I started treating children in 2013 after there was a documentary about a little girl with epilepsy. And right now I'm mostly seeing children with uh, intractable epilepsy, autism, cancer, and you know other mostly complex medical conditions. Well, now we just heard from Dr. Rabber and uh, how and discuss how meaningful it has been for his family to participate with Caniformatics Autism Study. As a physician, um, how do you see incorporating cannabis responsive biomarkers and testing into your practice? So right now, when I take a history from a family, I try to um, dial in on what the most difficult issues are. And then to be frank, it's a little bit of trial and error. You don't know how this little human in front of you that's having issues is going to respond to any particular cannabinoid-based medicine. And that's what they so, really don't know how they're going to respond to any medicine, correct? Any foreign. Uh, that's it, that's yeah. exactly right. Is, is, it, is sure. it going to work for them at all? Yeah. Is it going to work at all? And if so, is it a partial response? Are they going to be in the top 1% of responders? You really don't know. So I do a lot of, you know, um, talking with the parents to make sure they understand that it's not one size fits all. It's a bit trial and error. So the way I see these biomarkers helping us is that I can get a baseline test on the child, a saliva collection, which is not invasive. You don't have to drag your child to a lab. Uh, who might get very stressed out by getting blood tests or a urine collection. We just collect saliva at home. Um, and then what I can see, and I can take that child's biomarkers and look back at kind of the, the data that we already have and the data that we're building to see, does do their biomarkers correlate to a predictive response. If they're already in the optimal range for all the biomarkers, then maybe cannabis isn't going to correct anything that's out of whack because nothing's out of whack. But also what we're building as part of our database is the ability to kind of look and see if there's overlap with these biomarkers so that we can have some predictive value. And hopefully what I can do is not have someone try 10 different oils, but try, you know, one or two right out of the gate, which we know will target those biomarkers based on our research. So I see it as predictive. And then I also see it as three months down the line, Let's check those biomarkers again and see uh, what has been corrected, what has changed, it, where is an area of still having difficulty. And of course, we correlate this with the, what the parents are reporting. So we have objective data from the biomarker testing, and then we have the subjective input from the parents to help create the care plan. Gotcha. And I'll go to each side for this. So what's, what's the future of cannabis-based treatments? So, so one thing I want to add is also that uh, uh, some of those biomarkers are uh, can indicate a certain condition that we may need to pay attention because we have to remember uh, we have the biochemistry and eventually we have the 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 the, the, the clinical uh, symptoms and the, the 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 biomarkers are the first indicator. Clinical symptoms comes after something built up. So for Dr. Goldstein, for example, when she, she gets this uh, biomarkers report, she see how the treatment helps, but may what can actually happen uh, 
a little bit in the future and how we need to deal or prevent or or, or, or deal with it right now. It's almost like when we we, we when we call it like a, I would say with all the difference, but pre-diabetic. So it's something that we need to pay attention, but it's not there. So that's another advantage of the biomarkers. Where we're going to is really developing a custom or the ability to develop a custom uh, personalized treatment for every patient. We do it with the biomarkers. We do it with the machine learning that we can take that data and generate a, a recommendation. Our job is to guide uh, doctors and patients uh, with the best or most suitable combination of med medical cannabis. It would seem to me, though, that this, this approach would require that biomarker intervention, I don't know, monthly, every other month, because we do know and recognize that your endocannabinoid system is almost, in some ways, can be like a roller coaster for some. I mean, there are some people, again, Jeff was speaking earlier, well, I don't really want to have him having euphoria, but when we found there are other people that are on the spectrum who seem to only be able to function daily if they have what others might call euphoria, they will call just uh, stabilizing. Um, so is this is going to be something that isn't, not only is it one um, uh, stop doesn't help all or fit all, but this is going to be something where you're going to have to constantly go back and look at the individual and those biomarkers. And let's say that, you know, you get the biomarkers within a range. I'm sure that that range has a range. So if you're at the upper end or the lower end, you're trying to refine to get it to the middle, but maybe the lower end works better. I mean, is this something that you're going to have to continually do monthly, every other month, two months? Well, probably not by a monthly, but we are seeing it as some kind of a service. Yeah, the same way that we're going, we do our physicals. Got it. So maybe, you know, maybe not a year, especially with people uh, with a medical condition, we check it bi-monthly or once a quarter, but yeah, we need to do it. And that's the idea with saliva. It's very easy. Uh, you can get it at home, you can send it, uh, and then we send the results to Dr. Goldstein and she communicate with the parents and, and that's the autism model. It's going to be with, we're looking at Alzheimer and uh, Parkinson pain, anxiety. We have a whole a set of medical conditions that we want to expand. But the idea is, yes, a, a patient or individual with medical condition can uh, send the saliva and get feedback through a doctor or directly to them. And Bonnie, I mean, you presented the findings from this pilot study at a variety of different medical symposiums and conferences. How, what has been the reaction from some of your physician peers and others in the healthcare industry when it comes to talking about this do they are they open or are they not open oh they're very open and part of that be, is because you have to remember that until this technology was available and developed we have no objective way to know if cannabis is helping and you know i was at a conference a number of years ago where a physician stood up and she said what a patient reports to you subjectively is not evidence now i I understand this idea of rigorous science and so on. But when a parent tells me that their previously aggressive child is now calm and participating and can sit through dinner and can get through the school day without having, a, you know, throwing a chair across the room, 
to me, that's evidence that the cannabis is working. I, I, that, that, I think that's probably to me is one of the things about the medical industry uh, scientifically that I have literally always opposed because, you know, here we are, we're talking about once one um, size doesn't fit all. They're trying to say that one size does fit all. So yeah. unless it fits in this, this yeah. exact little niche of things that we discovered, right. it doesn't work. And I think it's bullshit. It's like, you know, I, I'll go back to when it's like, hopefully you guys will figure out a way to help people in my condition, people with MS. But I have noticed um, my journey with cannabis over the course of the last 20 years, 22 years, has been, it, is, it really sometimes, how do I explain it? Um, sometimes it, it, it doesn't make sense to me at all. I, I've literally tried to figure this out. I have known since maybe 2000, 2001, when I started back then, before it was Vogue, before everybody was in this business, I literally jumped to cannabis in 2001 and literally never looked back. And I was searching out because back then I had done some of the studies that and looked at some of the research that even our federal government had done when you know it gave itself its patent on CBD, um, looked at how there is a neuroprotective component to CBD. So for the first 2001 uh, to 2006, seven, I literally, it was so crazy. I would go to California and I go up to the Golden Triangle area and I had people literally giving me, giving it away. I didn't have to pay for it. I was getting high CBD product because they were sick. They didn't want to sell that. I'm like, what? And then, you know, you start to study and realize that, you know, the people up in Northern California and Humboldt County and all that area have for the last 20 years been trying to grow all the minor cannabinoids out of the plant, which means that they wrecked the plant. So for a good six years, I probably was using something that was in the low 20s and maybe even high teens THC, but had a higher than normal CBD component. Um, as a matter of fact, one of them I even got, um, if I remember correctly, the COA on it came back, and back then I don't know whether or not the COA was legitimate or not, but it came back that we found a, a, a strain that um, was running about 14% CBD which was pretty incredible. I'm talking 20 years ago. And for me, my symptoms started off with a lot of neuropathic pain, spasticity, night tremors. Um, and using the CBD seemed to modulate that the best for me. And I would notice that if I use something that was higher in THC, mm, not anxiety, but I'll call it irritability. I didn't maybe have the same tremors. I could go to sleep because I can remember there was a time I was sleeping with my wife and, and literally my legs would kick so hard I'd kick her in her shin or kick her in her thigh. And she would like smack the crap out of me while I was sleeping just to wake me up, you know. And I'd roll over, what? What what I do? And she goes, you're, 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 you're kicking, you're running, stop running. I'm like, okay, well, I get up, go to the bathroom, take a nice hit, call back down. And then in about 2006, seven, I started noticing, and this is only from my own perspective, I started noticing that I am literally consuming all day long. I mean, I'm consuming every 10 minutes, every 15 minutes, I'm taking a hit. I'm taking, I'm eating something. And back then I was literally making my own edibles. And, you know, I pop a, I'm telling you, I was making edibles that I'm positive were, mm, you know, the little, little, 
muffins that you could get, you know, you know, those ones that you get from the grocery store. I would make my THC and mix my cannabinoids in that. And I take a muffin that was this big that I know had at least 250 milligrams easily. And I was eating two of those a day. And, um, uh, and then I started noticing that the CBD wasn't really hitting me as well as it was before. I shifted over and went to a higher THC and then my legs calmed back down again. And I stayed on that for about mm, five years. And then, oh, 2011, 12, I started noticing that the THC really, I, I was looking for higher and higher and higher THC to get the same effect. So I went back to, oh, I don't know what I do. Let me mix the CBD and the THC together and I'll take them and see what happens. And there was about a four year period of time when I was literally, I'm telling you, I would go and find, you know, a, a pre-roll or I would roll myself a uh, split that was high in THC and roll one that was high in CBD, put them both in my mouth at the same time, light them, and bingo, bango, I'm starting to get the same relief that I got 12 years earlier. That's what sent me on a journey to try to formulate CBD, THC, and terpenes together in the same vape cart. That's really what actually started that whole idea in my head. And this is back in 2011, 2012. I started putting products out that way. And now I'm at a place where, you know, I'm 67. Um, it may have that. And I also have to say, you know, along the way, I had a stroke. I think, Bonnie, you knew about that years ago. And I will never forget that the first time I consumed after my stroke, I literally took barely the tiniest of inhalation on a high THC product. And it made me feel like I was going to jump off the top of a building. I literally, I never experienced that hallucinogenic ridiculousness that some people have, have talked to me about with cannabis. I, I was always looking at people like, hey, how do you hallucinate on cannabis? I literally, the first time I consumed after my stroke, I, I thought I was going to die. I was laying in the bed. I went, oh, no, I shouldn't have done this. That was really crazy. And then over a course of two years, I kind of weaned myself back into the relief that I have even now today. But I now, now let me say, it's gone the other way. I literally consume, I I used to, I'm a wake and baker. I used to be the wake and baker all the time. I don't touch cannabis now until, mm, I, I should back up. I do CBDA every single morning. Um, I do a nice little bit of that every day. Um, but I don't start, really messing with anything with any THC in it until about two or three o'clock in the afternoon. And then, you know, where I used to take four or five inhalations or eat one or two gummies, I, I'm a one gummy guy uh, midday and a one gummy guy before bed. And I'm a two hitter in the middle of the day and a three hitter at night. And that's it. And so I feel really good about the fact that I've kind of dialed something in for me but would you be able to identify the biomarkers that are, I, I don't know, what, what is going on? Am I crazy? No, you're not crazy. It just shows how dynamic the endocannabinoid system is. But also there's multiple other non-cannabinoid targets of THC and CBD. So it's a much bigger picture than just the endocannabinoid system. But I think your, your report of how you've changed over the last 20 some odd years um, really shows that when you're using botanical medicine, plant medicine, and cannabis specifically, it changes. It's not, I get 
I have yet to meet the person who is taking the same exact regimen from when they start to, you know, years later, because it's a dynamic system. And this also, let me just throw in there. Here you have a child, let's say, that comes to me at the age of five with a lot of aggression and unable to learn because they can't sit still and just all, let's just say, severe autism type symptoms. And I'm following them and we're starting a regimen. And then what's happening is two years later, things change. And then two years later, things change. And then, oh my gosh, puberty hits, right? Which everything goes to heck at that point. So you have to remember, and I, I joke around, but it's not really funny. Children are moving targets, but even your experience, you're a moving target. So the beauty of having this objective data is that when those times happen where somebody kind of falls off the cliff or things change or the response is lost or somebody becomes more sensitive to a cannabinoid and we're thinking about changing, it would be nice for me to be able to get this test and then go back and compare to previous tests, the previous biomarkers, so I can understand what's happening. Because you have to remember that let's all these biomarkers reflect different chemical pathways in the body. And let's just say for, you know, lack of a better example, I'm just going to say, let's say there's a neuroinflammatory biomarker, which we have, and there's another biomarker that reflects aggression. If I see those two go up at the same time, whereas before they were okay, they were within that physiologic or optimal range, and they both kind of go off and it corresponds to a parent telling me, my child, I don't know what happened, we've lost control, the aggression came back. That helps me then target potentially with a specific cannabinoid because we will have the data for that to be able to target. And I can say to the parent, well, look, the aggression corresponds also to neuroinflammation. And now that's what we're going to target rather than me saying, okay, well, let's try this or try that. Now, I will tell you my clinical experience, I feel is very valuable because I've taken care of thousands of children. But boy, is it helpful to have that objective data. And then the other, I just, one thing that we didn't mention is that I have a lot of colleagues. And as I mentioned, you know, someone saying that subjective response or or feedback from uh, patients or parents is not valid. I find it valid, but at the same time, for those naysayers to have this objective data that shows that, um, that cannabis has this incredible beneficial impact in balancing these abnormal pathway biomarkers, that helps to bring everybody on the same place. I have parents still that tell me their neurologist or their developmental pediatrician is not on board with cannabis, is still pushing the antipsychotics. And if we have this data and we can show this and show that doctor and say, look, this is the data. We have scientific, objective, evidence-based data showing improvement in this child. It's not just you know, cannabis cures everything. That's not the point here. What we're saying is in this particular individual, we're seeing benefits and we have to acknowledge the fact that cannabis is affecting these pathways, right? And is helping to create, and remember, um, homeostasis, I know you know this term very well, Montel, homeostasis is balanced. And what we found with our biomarkers is that if the biomarker was really high, it would correct by coming down into the physiologic range. And if it was low, it would come up to the physiologic range. So again, proving that whole homeostatic balance 
that cannabis is like our theory was it helps maintain homeostasis. We've shown it with a number of the biomarkers. And one last I gotta, thing, I tell you, wait, wait, yeah, before, go ahead. one last thing, but I got to tell you something. It's conversations like this that we are having that I don't see being had in the industry. One and two, this needs to be shoved in the throat of our legislators. I mean, as quickly and as hard as we can. So you know that I am open to doing it. And HOC, you know I'm, I'm willing to work, I'm going to work with you and do whatever we can to get this thing moved forward so that it's not a, you know, I, I, I've been involved in medical research on several different levels. I was involved in a medical device that um, uh, has helped find, not find, but help not discover because it was discovered by someone else. I literally found it wallowing at the University of Wisconsin and helped take that over a 10 year period of time from, you know, just something on the, the workbench to an FDA approved device that's FDA approved now all over the world. So I recognize that. But it, it, to me, it was ignorant that it took 10 years, 12 years, literally, to get FDA approval. And this is something that I just don't believe mankind has 12 years. We have cannabis coming, being shoved at us from every direction that you can think of. We got THC eight and ten and O and all this crap that's out here, and all these people are, are shoving into people, and they don't really know that this stuff is really going to, I think, actually adversely affect the gains that you were making. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's fine. Yeah, I think also one way that. Uh, our technology can help uh, to uh, increase uh, the acceptance of cannabis is that a lot of the changes that we see, uh, some of them actually other medication can do. So the, 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 so we, we actually we, we are talking on the same field as other or as the pharma. Uh, with autism, I believe that we are ahead of the pharma because I don't see any pharmaceutical treatment for children with autism that they did. They look at the physiological impact. Uh, so, so cannabis, uh, in a way, we can see the show the contribution in more uh, pharmaceutical way and, and in tools that the pharma accept. And I, and for me, there was not not a single phys physician or politician or regulator that didn't accept that there are positive changes uh, in uh, with cannabis. Right. And, and the last paper that uh, Bonnie and I uh, authored, uh, it's uh, uh, still not published, but we look, we use machine learning and ask a different question. Can we see biomarkers that actually move from the physiological range outside? So the, 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 the children that Dr. Goldstein treated and determined their uh, regimen, do any of them actually, any biomarker goes out and make a negative impact? And we did not find a single biomarker that comes out of the physiological range with all the children. That means that the everything goes toward homeostasis. We, de we didn't take anything out. And, and, and we think about it, we had like 685, I remember the number, 685 biomarkers in each child with 19,000 uh, differences of uh, sensitivity. So that's a pretty strong feature for the database. And we did not find anything. And I think that's kind of something that we need to hold in our hands and said, 
nothing take out the physio there is no negative impact now i probably yeah. if we'll take other medication we which we will see it so i think first Dr. Gotzin did pretty good job, excellent job in, in, in finding the right treatment. That, that's number one. But we, that's the proof that if you use the right uh, combination, it doesn't make any negative impact. And that's the message uh, that we need to go with. And I'm almost out of time. Bonnie, I cut you off. You were going to say one more thing. You said I, one more thing and I cut you off. What were you going to say? I'm sorry. Um, I think I was going to say, yeah, I, I, yeah, no, I remember. I think that um, when I'm speaking, you know, when I give talks, I always try to include a slide to say, hey, this is some, you know, research that I'm working on. And when I show the before picture of the biomarkers on a graph, they're all completely out of whack. And then when I show the picture of the biomarkers after the child takes their cannabis, and remember the study was Literally, we collected saliva in the morning before they took their cannabis. They took their cannabis about an hour and a half, two hours later. We collected another um, saliva sample. And literally in that time, what we saw was this incredible um, improvement in those physiologic um, biomarkers. And it just like and what you said, people have to know about this. It's no longer, and I still hear to this day, oh, medical cannabis is a hoax. It's just a, a ruse to get high or a ruse to sell cannabis. There, I have patients who, where parents say, I think I would lose my child if I didn't have this. That's how important cannabis is. I think you, after 20 years, 20 plus years of having a diagnosis where most people kind of fall off the cliff when they follow most medication recommendations, you have kept well, you have kept active, you have kept a lot of your um, um, your uh, symptoms under control. And I think this is something that people have to understand is that it's not going to work for everybody, but especially under medical supervision with tools to be able to measure impact, cannabis is an incredible medicine because it lacks much of the kind of downside side effects. And when I tell people, if we see side effects, we change the regimen. Nobody has to have side effects from cannabis. Right. As a cannabis clinician who's treated thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of patients in the last 15 years, if you're having side effects, you have not dialed in your medicine. If right. you're having tolerance, it's because you don't really understand what you're doing. And that's the key is that we just don't have, you know, the, the medical community has been very slow to pick up. But I'm happy to say that the last few times that I have spoken at conferences where it hasn't been a cannabis conference where I'm often preaching to the choir, I'm seeing more and more physicians come up to me and say, wow, I learned so much. I am so looking into this. You have changed my mind about cannabis by sharing this data because it, it's, irrefut it's irrefutable. We need to give you the biggest trumpet in, in the country, lady. You know that, right? <laughs> so we got to get it for you. It's Call me all, anytime. <laughs> it's like I'm telling you, I got I, I have more, more props to you also. Thank you guys so much for sharing today and giving the information that you've given out. Um, I know our listeners are going to be probably, if people want to get more information, where would they go? It's like, do they go to your website? Where would they go? Can, yeah, absolutely. Canformatics.com. Uh, that's where we have most of our uh, uh, information. And we also, people can see the two pub previous publication and uh, pretty soon the third one, which uh, deal 
on on the metabolic pathway and give much more insight about how cannabis work, uh, how cannabinoid work in in the body. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Bonnie. Uh, one more time, maybe give out your website if you want to, so people can reach out to you. And I want to make sure I say it. The books are called Cannabis Is Medicine and Cannabis Revealed, and you can get those, I guess, on Amazon. But any other stats you want to get out so people can reach out to you? Well, sure. So I have a YouTube channel uh, uh, under Bonnie Goldstein, MD, Bonnie, B-O-N-N-I, no E, where people can get information. So I have videos on CBG, CBDA, CBDV, on autism, on epilepsy, and so on. Also, um, I have uh, an Instagram, Bonnie Goldstein, MD, where I often post the latest uh, research and information and uh, sometimes uh, my own opinions about things. So I hope people will check that out. Absolutely great. Well, thank you so much. I'd love to have you guys back. You've both been on a couple of times, but please come back and I'm going to continue to do as much as I possibly can to help move this forward so people can have access to this vital information. And make sure all of you keep tuning in to Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.